Till we're all growing a beard A man's face should never be bare We just want some facial hair We're anticipating, yeah, everyone's waiting for beard Well, hey, good morning, everybody. This is uh, Behind the Beards. Um, let's it not is. use our Christmas overlay there. Um, then we uh, How try to pull the, pull the curtain back and take a look behind the scenes of ministry and try to reveal the things you need to know about what goes on in the hearts and minds of those who are called to leave your church family. Definitely I'm, try. <laughs> try, that's right. I'm Josh Fowler, preaching minister in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. And my brother Aaron Partlow is in Longview, Texas, <laughs> training the minds of the church's future and present. Ooh. Shaping the minds of America's future. This got really heavy all of a sudden. <laughs> oh, Babysitting brother. the kids that you don't want to hang out with. Uh, that's right. That's, that's right. <laughs> Man, we are on baby watch right now. Now then, you know, once we get the news that the new baby is here, we still don't get to see or visit. But I didn't know you and Heather um, were expecting. Congratulations. Yeah, we are expecting a grandchild. So. Oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah. Two... 22-22 is the due date. Um, Preston texted me earlier and said, hey, today is Tuesday, and it's a Tuesday on Tuesday. I'm like, oh, that's clever. Mm. <laughs> Terrible. It's true. 2-22-22. Just because it's true doesn't mean you have to say it. Oh, I disagree. <laughs> Must be said. What's new in your world? Anything? Anything going on? Nope. Not really. No. Uh, Saturday was a lot of fun. Lauren and I, um, we drove. Uh, so uh, Tyler, Texas, uh, where my wife, one of the places where my wife works, and um, she was supposed to go in Saturday. And so all week, Sam and I have been working out and playing hard and doing all this stuff, um, you know, because Tyler is where Papa Murphy's Pizza is, the only one that we know of that's really close, that's close by. And I love Papa Murphy's Pizza. And so, you know, the the goal was, hey, we're going to do good all week, and then we're going to get Papa Murphy's Pizza on Saturday. Well, her boss calls her Friday and says, hey, we don't need you to come in Saturday. We're like, excuse me? <laughs> so you're going to still drive to Tyler for our pizza, right? No, that would be silly. No. So we got up, and we went, and there is a um, really cool church over there that has a Frisbee golf course, full 18 holes. Uh, for, full, or, full 18 holes, with uh, four different tee spots for each hole in difficulty. Like they like went, talk about like the extra mile, they went the, the full marathon extra uh, mm -hmm. for this course. It's very hilly, it's a lot of fun, it's in a really great um, wooded area. Oh, hello, oh, that hey. is all me. I'm trying to answer a comment here. Anyway, um, so we, we got up and we went and played a full 18 hole uh, of Frisbee golf. Got our pizza, drove home, came home to the edge. We took Lauren's car, and the edge had a complete flat tire. Had a huge, huge screw that I had ran over somewhere um, to where it was completely flat. So, had to, after being tired from doing 18 holes, had to jack up the edge, put the donut on, wait till Monday uh, to be able to take it in and get it fixed. Ended so up getting it fixed, paying like six bucks to put a plug in and then the guy goes so are you into racing and i was like no what do you mean and he's like oh because you have like racing slicks on your car um you really probably should look at getting some tires in the next month or so depending on how much you drive this and i was like well why don't you go ahead and price them out for me 
So I ended up buying two tires today, and I'll get two more tires um, when I get paid. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. Holy cow! You talked about like how expensive renting a car is. How expensive is to put tires on a car right now? Yeah, expensive. Like, well, so funny story, and then we can get into the. So episode, that was my weekend. Um, I'll tell a story on my daughter. So about a year ago, she had a. I guess it's a couple years. She was, she comes, she's driving home, and she pulls in the driveway, and she comes out, or comes to the house, and she goes, "Hey, Dad, I think, I think my tire is flat." So it's like, okay, it's like, well, so I came out, and I looked at it. Um, the tire wasn't flat. The tire was gone. Like the, the only thing left was like the bead. And a part of the sidewall. And I'm like, oh, man, like, how did you get home? And she goes, well, it was riding a little rough. I was like, I bet there's not a tire left. <laughs> he goes, oh, and there was no. some guy that was honking at me on the road telling me something was going on. I bet that's what he was talking about. I'm like, you think? Oh, um, <laughs> oh no. It had gone. It was right as she came in towards the neighborhood. It had kind of gone low. but um, Kind of gone low? Kind of gone low. And then she just... It was on the back, so it didn't really register to her. But it's like, that's crazy. But she is not that way anymore. She is well-versed in uh, paying attention to the vehicle and what's going on and how to get out of traffic if something goes wrong. So good stuff. Well, hey, man. Um, We're going to talk a little bit today about, um, you know, perseverance has been on my mind lately. How do we, uh, why do we choose to keep going, whether that's, in family and job and ministry, or even just mm. as a Christian. Um, so before you dive into that too deep, um, you know, our theme, our, our title for this episode is what keeps you going. Uh, and my, I guess my question is, is what is the difference between like this podcast of like what keeps you going and maybe like the idea of uh, per, uh, ministry burnout prevention? Um, like how do you, what, what's the difference? Cause for me, I would think I, when I, looked at this and I was like, okay, so we're going to talk about ministry burnout. Like how do you prevent ministry burnout? Um, uh, but I think you have a different, completely different view or a different idea of what this episode yeah. is going to be about. So I don't think, uh, I think burnout something's pretty, that is pretty specific. And I think probably specifically related to, to certain aspects of life in certain different, in different times, you know, mm. That okay. we become so invested, so consumed um, when our boundaries become unhealthy and something takes over our life in an unhealthy way, we get to a place where we just don't want to do it anymore. Um, I was, uh, and I know you're going to make fun of me for this again. Always. But, but I was watching the highlights from the U.S. women's national team and their match against New Zealand. Oh, yeah. And the, uh, the United States. We've all States, seen that. We've all seen that. Yes. Uh, the United States was going in for a goal. They try to cross the ball. And when the New Zealand defense woman tries to clear it, she scores a goal in her own goal. Um, about five minutes later, the U.S. plays a, a ball down the center. The U.S. forward goes up to head the ball and she misses it. It hits the girl in the head and it goes into the goal again. Mm. Mm. And then at about the 40th minute, the U.S. clears another ball or crosses another ball, and as she tries to clear it, she kicks it into her own goal a third time in one half of soccer. And I was like, man, there are 
There are Yikes. defensemen who go their entire career and don't even come close to doing this once, and she just did it three times and a half. And when the coach took her out of a game, she gave her a hug, and she went over and she sat down and she just cried on the bench. And so I'm thinking, how do you, how do you get up tomorrow and believe that you are still competent <laughs> enough to do this again Yeah, and to do it the right way? And it just kind of made me think about you know our life as Christians and marriages and families and even as ministers, that when you have those days where – that it's not about burnout. It's just about, man, I just, I just don't know if this is for me. Maybe mm. I failed so miserably, or maybe I just feel so inadequate that what makes me continue to choose marriage, family, career, ministry, Christianity. Um, and so that's kind of where I was, what I was thinking about uh, when I kind of wrote some of these things. Um, so what keeps you going in life? Why do you continue to choose um, the path that you're on? Um, maybe marriage and family is a good place to start. Why, why do you choose marriage? Why do you choose your family when it's, when it's hard? Yeah. Can I put I mean, that to you? Yeah, just throw me that uh, giant boulder. Um, I don't know, like you just do, right? Um, like, I guess, like, it's, it's just, uh, I, you know, I, I was, I was dwelling on that idea that, you know, love is not a feeling, but love is a choice. Um, and, um, you know, I guess I choose family, um, because I love them because I choose to love them. I also, I also feel like there is, there's a lot of weight to the fact that I, uh, I made our wedding day. Like, I'm really glad if you showed up and you were there at our wedding, but I don't really care. Um, because, like the major thing that happened at our wedding was that my wife and I took that vow. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think I take that vow so seriously, uh, because we took that vow and we took that vow, uh, together, right? We took that vow in front of God. Um, I'm trying to get my camera to focus in. It's driving me crazy. <laughs> um, that's because of this. Anyway, we took that vow and we took that vow in front of God. And so there's a lot of things that happen in our lives. We've been in some really low places, and we've been in some really high places. We've been in some good places, um, you know, where ministry, our job, our life has kind of, um, you know, made things difficult. But we've always like tried to like work through it and work it out um, and that kind of stuff. So, um, you know, I don't know. I don't. I don't. I guess I don't really fully know how to comprehend or, or really full that answer. Like it's just something that we've decided to choose. Uh, we've been in places where we we've been pretty impoverished, and we're like we didn't have money. Um, but instead of turning on each other, we lean, we leaned on each other. We've been in places where, um, we've been spiritually beat up. And so instead of walking away, uh, from each other, we've walked closer together. Um, and I think it's that constant choice that, um, you're stuck with me. Uh, <laughs> I kind of think that's been our attitude. Like from the beginning, we always made a joke, even when we were dating Lauren, uh, Lauren would make a joke, you know, well, I'd get a new boyfriend, but it's too much work. Put, put too much effort into this one already and that's kind of the way like like we've always like looked at things like if if we're going down we're going down together and if we're going up we're going up together and it's just that's the way it is and um well and that's kind uh, of why i started that's why give I us some more wise insight oh it's kind of why i started with this question is because it at least for most of us is i mean it's less of a choice right i mean we did mm -hmm we made some vows and 
even the world would look at their kids and say, well, of course I would continue to choose my kids. That would be irresponsible be for not to continue to choose my family. Mm. Uh, but we're also living in, um, in a time where divorce is. So my wife and I encountered a friend and we had been married at this time, probably 14 or 15 years. And we were in a restaurant and this was a guy that had worked with us when we were first dating, when we first got married. And we came in to eat and we saw him, we said, hi. And he said, you know, hey, guys, um, are y'all still married? Hmm. And so it was like, it's almost like this expectation that, um, you know, the easy thing to do is just to just to move on. Mm. And, and that's kind of the nature of our culture that, you know, mm. when the going gets tough, um, we say the tough gets going, but too, more often than not, we just cash in our chips and, and move on to whatever's next. Um, I even had someone make a comment that I had worked with at one time that said, oh, well, that's a good starter marriage for him. <laughs> so um, what? Yes, I know. I was like, that's I, terrible. I, and I was like, I wanted to think he was joking. But the more he talked, the more I realized he wasn't joking. Uh, and so so we are living in a culture where, you know, that vow is not necessarily taken seriously. And so uh, I think it's important. You know what you said is like, hey, I, I made this vow and every day. I continue to make this choice. Um, and sometimes it's the popular choice. Sometimes it's sometimes it's the easy choice. Um, but it's always the choice to honor a vow that I've made. And I might have failed miserably at being a husband or a father yesterday. Um, but today I'm going to wake up and I'm going to try to do it right again. Um, and, and I agree with you. I just can't imagine, you know, when it comes to my marriage and my family, I can't imagine any other way. Um, I can't, I can't even fathom what it would be like, you know, to choose something different. Mm. Um, you know, that gets a little more, uh, less, maybe less concrete, mm. uh, when it comes to, you know, ministry. Uh, and so, you know, there are days where, uh, are there ever things that just make you want to not do ministry? Um, not people, but things, occurrences, moments. Um, I've, I've finished up um, just as recently as, you know, two or three weeks ago. I came home and I told my wife, I said, you know what? I am not cut out for this. Mm. Um, I am not cut out for this. And I know, and I wasn't saying I was doing a good job. I wasn't saying that some people weren't happy. It wasn't even because some people were unhappy. I just finished a day, finished a week, and I looked back at everything that transpired, and I said, I don't, what is God doing with me here? Because I am not the guy for this job. Um, are there things that kind of get you in, in that kind of a place? I think there are things, like, that definitely get me in that place. I think when... Um... I think when we can get bogged down in these, uh, like in little things of, of church that we lose our focus, uh, of why we even do things. Um, you know, I think about like having conversations about, you know, Hey, should we go back to passing the tray, you know, uh, and things like that. And it becomes such a diverse or a, a divisive topic. Divisive, yeah. Um, and, you know, and, you know, or I think about, you know, I think about, you know, a church trying to move into two services, uh, 
you know, or a church that's trying to move out of a Sunday night service and do, you know, small groups. Um, and it's not necessarily that there's resistance to change, but it's this bogged down reason of, hey, this is not working, but I'm not going to change it because this is the way that we've always done it. There may not be a scriptural reason or, or something like that. That like, and, and I guess for me, like things that have scriptural reasons why we don't do it or why we don't move that way, those hit me differently. But the personal preference things that stand in the way they kind of sometimes really bog me down. Um, and I just go, man, are we really having this talk again? Like if we, if we change this, then we're going to have to change this. We're going to have to change this. We're going to have to change this. Like we've already made strides to be better and to go further. Like this is taking step backs. Uh, um, and so maybe that's it. Uh, maybe I just unrooted it there for myself that maybe taking, uh, when, when churches or, or groups that I've been working with, like we take a step back or even two or three steps back from all the progress and all the stuff that we have done to make things better um that that kind of really bogs me down and that kind of weighs me and i'm just like like what are you kidding me like no yeah like why did i spend these last two years you know working on this committee uh, for this to get railroaded by somebody who has less, <laughs> who has little faith. You know what I mean? Um, I, yeah. Like that yeah. really bogs me down. That makes me want to walk away and go, okay, I'm too frustrated. Uh, I'm going to kick the dust off my feet and I'm going to move on and I'm going to do something else. So I have a, I have a few people that really like to uh, remind me, I don't know the history of a certain, of this place. Hmm. And so, you know, there are moments where I look and I just feel like what I'm doing is not hmm. working. It's not moving people. And it's it's not about numbers. It's not about growth. It's not about those mm -hmm. things. It's about um, not seeing, you know, the change that I expect to see um, in a both in a public and in a, in a private way with the people that you're teaching and preaching to. Um, and... You know, when I, I have those people I can express that frustration to and they will say, well, let me just tell you a story about what would have occurred 10 years ago, 12 years ago, and what might have occurred six years ago. Yeah. So, you know, it may not be at the pace or what you expect, but just know that there is movement. It's just slow and methodical. Sure. Um, but when I see those things and, you know, Oftentimes when it's right on the heels of um, a sermon or, or a class that we've preached or, or taught, and then you see some other things in the world from people that you expect differently of, and it's like, man, like, like what am I doing? Mm -hmm. like, and is anyone even, you know, listening? And, and, and I just kind of look and go, is it, I mean, is it me? And mm -hmm. am I not saying this in a way that, that can be heard? Or am I missing something? Is there someone else who is better suited to, um, to, to teach and to preach and to shape and to mold? Um, and I think what I found most frequently is when I get to a place where that is my emotion and that is my response, almost without fail, I have found myself in a season of my ministry where I've been completely focused on my ability to do something. 
to teach, to preach, to plan, to design, to motivate. Um, it's just become about me and what I can do. Right. Um, and as we were talking about, you know, before we started here, how often does God come around to the lesson of humility? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Don't steal my sermon now. I'm, I'm not. I'm not. But that uh, humble yes. yourselves, humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he will lift you up. Mm-hmm. Um, um, God humbles the proud. You know, so you have this choice. You can either live with humility or you can receive humility from God. And receiving humility is always more unpleasant and a little more abrupt. Right, yeah. That's <laughs> you know, very true. Than, than learning to develop it on your own. Um, and, you know, so what, when you get in that place where you just don't necessarily feel like you're equipped or you're the right person to go forward, what makes you get up and choose it again like the next day? Yeah, that's a very good question. I'm glad you asked that. Glad that I feel like I'm getting uh, quizzed over here on, uh, you know, why do I do, why do I do these things? You know, oh, no, uh, I just been talking for a while. I was giving you a chance to answer. No, I hear you. I hear you. I'll, I'll come up with a hard question too. No, you know, I think back to you know what keeps you going. Um, and I want to get to your question here in just a minute, but I want to take a step back, even though it frustrates me. No, uh, <laughs> take a step back and, and think about like. Um, you know, we just we just talked about you know losing focus. Oh yeah. And I think I think a lot yeah. of times like things that stop me or that I know are pushing me off the track is when like I lose uh, is because I've lost focus. So some moments when I feel like I don't want to keep going, I don't want to keep doing youth ministry. Youth ministry is terrible. Um, I had a mentor who once said, "Sometimes you just have to be with the kids, right?" So I was in a frustrating uh, moment in my life. I was frustrated with some decisions our leadership was making. I was frustrated with um, some of the overarching church politics that was going on. I was frustrated with um, song leading and some other stuff like that that was happening. Like I was, I was like getting really burnt out and frustrated. Um, and I reminded myself, it, it, it took me to do this, right? It took me, and I don't know why, but I was cleaning some, through some stuff in my office and my job description was on my desk. And I was like, oh. And then I realized as I read my job description that all of those things that I was completely frustrated and upset about were not things that were on my job description. Right, right. Uh, does not mean that I was doing something bad that I was not because, you know, I feel like if I'm on ministry staff, like I want to be a part of the team and I want to be able to help out in any way that I possibly can. Uh, but I kind of sat there and I went. Have I lost focus? Like my focus is to be, I, I wasn't youth and family minister. I wasn't associate minister. I wasn't, I was just the youth minister. And I say just the youth minister, like that's an easy job. Um, and so I thought to myself, I went, I went, you know, I'm going to focus on like the youth group. Um, and everything that I'm frustrated about is none of that is a part of my actual youth ministry. Like Sunday mornings, we had a great class and it was going really well. Um, Wednesday nights were flourishing. We were the largest Bible class, you know, that kind of that was going on on Wednesday nights for people to show up. Um, my youth group, I feel like was in a healthy place. Um, they were not sin free, of course, but we were in a healthy place where we were having good conversations and dialogue and mentoring and other stuff like that was happening. And so I decided, I was like, maybe, maybe I'm just off track and I need to refocus myself. And so there's a lot of moments where, 
um, you know, like, hey, maybe I'm sticking my finger in the wrong pie and I need to just like, <laughs> I need to like just stay in my lane. That's the idea. Do we have to clip that out? <laughs> um, <laughs> like, maybe I just need to stay in my lane and I need to stay in what God is calling me uh, to do. And so I, I'll take those breaths, I'll take those moments to refocus myself so that I don't lose... Uh, so I don't lose my focus, you know, uh, so I want to be focused on, you know, right now my title is youth minister. My job description is, is pretty clear and what I need to do. And there's a lot of work into it. Like I have over like, uh, you know, 50 to 70 kids, um, that I'm in charge of working with those teenagers, but their families as well. You know, that's no small ticket item to kind of work with and to do. And so I, I work through that. It's a multicultural congregation. Mm-hmm. Uh, split between really two churches 50 50 and so i there's a lot of extra work that kind of goes into that i don't need to be worrying about some of these other things because my job uh i have enough worries of my own and my own job right um so i guess that's that's what i think about like is is sometimes i feel like that i've branched out too far and i need to I need to lo- I need to remember my focus and i think sometimes churches will do that too like we branch out so big and we're so worried about so many other problems that we forget like what yeah. our major purpose is. Like our major purpose is is to worship God, to uplift one another, and to reach the lost. And if we're not doing those three things, then we're doing something wrong. If we're not focused on those three things, then we're doing something wrong. Um, if, if, if we're squabbling and fighting and bickering over things that aren't doing those three things, then it's it's not worth fighting over. And I need to be humble. And I need to realize that it's not about me, but it's it's about other people. So anyway, that's yeah, my it, sermon. Well, I think you have a lot. I mean, you talk about focus, and focus. there is so much that that we realize is present when our focus is right. Um, and I, I think your point there is is pretty valid that when we lose sight of what just we're actually called to do, and we're doing. Validate me. Uh, yeah, yeah. Here's your validation. This just this once though. Okay. Um, that that coming back and, and recentering reminds us of, of why we are here. Sometimes we can do that ourselves. Sometimes we need people to remind us, mm-hmm. hey, you know, this, you know, spirit, this mind, this this ability to sit before God is is exactly the one that he can use. Um, I think about Moses, right? I mean, Moses was equipped in Egypt to do all the things, but Moses. he was confident in his own power and his own ability, his own placement. When he tried to take the reins for himself, God said, nope. It's not time yet. But after 40 years in the desert, when Moses or when God comes to Moses and says, hey, now it's time for you to go set my people free. Mm. Um, Moses mm-hmm. still has the training. He still has the military expertise. He still has the leadership. Um, but now he has this humility that has come from 40 years in the desert. Um, um, Stephen you know, said just a little bit ago, I've learned a lot in the last four months, you know, as he's dealt with, you know, a lot of things with with his wife and, and health that sometimes in that, in that desert place, we learn a lot about who we are, about our, about our makeup mm. and about how much we need to depend on someone else for the strength to do what is yet to come. Cause if I'm relying on me, it's just going to be, I'm going to continue to have those failures and those um, less than desirable outcomes. Um, so sometimes I need that reminder that just says, Hey, now that you're in this place where you don't feel like you're the guy, now God can say, no, you're my guy. 
<laughs> like if you weren't the person I needed to do this job, there would be somebody else here. Mm-hmm. So um, remembering that, you know, it, it's his work and I'm just a, a tool, a conduit for God to use uh, to, to accomplish his, his goal, I think is, is an important mindset to, to come around to and understand. Um, I think there's a, there's a lot to say as well about, you know, living life as a Christian these days, like not just as a minister, um, but just simply as a Christian is really challenging. Um, I was yeah. having a conversation with a, a friend of mine just the other day. I said, you know, um, we were talking about, um, uh, all the things that have transpired over the last two years, uh, the people that have come back, the faces that have changed, um, the people that haven't. And I don't know, but I feel like we're on the precipice of something that we've never really seen in our lifetime, which is um, the Christian morality in our culture Yeah, is not the accepted norm anymore. Yeah. Um, and it's not that it's necessarily you know, looked down upon, but it is not what people assume to be the norm. Um, and I've wondered if God might be pruning, um, pruning the, the church and his people for maybe a pretty hefty uphill battle that lies ahead in the, in, in the years to come. Um, yeah. Yeah. And that's a that's a that's probably a really deep conversation that probably needs a little more preparation than just just that. But but it but it brings us to this place of when when that pruning comes, it's uncomfortable. Uh, when the the thing that you have said and talked about and lived by has been some kind of expected norm to it, and now all of a sudden it becomes a fringe belief and a fringe way of life. You know, are we going to have the courage to continue to choose the way of, of Christ in a world that is pretty? pretty easily throws those things aside and not only discredits them, but considers them a threat to the way that they want to live. Yeah. And so why do we keep choosing Christianity? It's tough. Um, really it is tough. I so you know, something that like makes me really interested. Uh, and I say this, I say that I talked about Lauren about this. Um, I don't know that there is, and someone can like, please rightfully correct me. Uh, but I don't know that there's any other religion that public or movies or anybody has free license to make fun of, and it is socially acceptable. You know what I mean? Like, with how politically correct our society is, and, you know, some of that is good, uh, but, like, there is no other religion in which it is just, like, okay to openly mock uh, mm-hmm. constantly or anytime like it is socially acceptable to make fun of, of uh, a christian um in any sense or any fashion uh, but it is really frowned upon if you do that for any other religion or any other thing almost to the point um and, and so for me like i go okay well there has to be something there right like there has to be something there um mm-hmm. because it's it's so anyway, like I just kind of was thinking about that. No, like like the other things, it's it's very surface level, right? I mean, you'll mm-hmm. see some TV shows will talk about the Jewish people and they'll make some comment about their ability to manage money or their ability to haggle and get the best deal. Cause they, right. Um, but that's a surface level kind of a thing. Um, some people will crack jokes about a Hindu having 33,000 gods. 
but they don't really get to the core of who they are as a people. Um, but I shudder when, you know, I see who the, who's the token Christian on the TV show that's at play here and what's the character traits that they're putting forward. Yeah. Um, you know, you don't, you don't see that. Um, I think these, uh, words are, are important to remember, you know, Jesus says, you know, if they hate me, they're going to hate you. And and that's one of the challenges is, is recognizing, I guess for me is that and I used this example in our, in our class the other day as well, but we have painted this picture of Jesus and his teaching as one who comes into culture and flips everything upside down. Um, yeah. And that's not true. Um, in fact, it's completely backwards. It's already upside down. Um, he's coming to set everything right. And in setting everything right, everything still gets, you know, jostled. It still feels disorienting. Um, but he's making it right in the way that it's intended and designed to be. Um, I, I think this is an important question to answer. Because if we can't answer for ourselves, why do I continue to choose Christianity? Why would I expect anyone I encounter to make that choice if I really can't express it? Yeah. Um, and so it's one that we have to really ask and answer in an honest way of why do you choose Christianity? Um, I think, why do you choose? Why do I choose Christianity? I think I choose Christianity yeah. because I see something in Jesus that is better uh, for the world. Um, I see mm-hmm. something in Jesus that is better for me and that is better for the world. I see something in Jesus that um, is is about humility and about this passionate, loving God who is trying to uh, get to know and love his people um, and will go to any links, including uh, becoming human and dying on a cross to mm-hmm. fix our sins against him. Um, and so uh, the entire process, the entire story of Jesus about God is humility and humbling himself, saying, you caused this problem and I'm going to fix it for you. Um, and I'm going to go through and do this. Like you, all you have to do is believe in me, be baptized and, and, and like follow my ways uh, Mm -hmm. and love others and do this. Um, I think there's so many, you know, what, what's really hard about, and I, I agree with what my dad says here. Jesus says, if they hate, hate me, they will hate you. And, And Jesus does say that, but that is, it's such a loaded question because there's a lot of Christians who are not being like Christ. Um, you know, and are, you know, hated for not being like Christ. Um, right. And so it's, it's, for me, it's like, okay, so how do I separate myself and, and truly following Jesus uh, and what following Jesus should really look like from those who uh, are saying are doing it badly uh, or even wrongly uh, or abusing the system? You know, it's, it's, you know, it's that constant struggle. Like I think about like, you know, wearing, you know, cross jewelry and necklaces and stuff like that. Do I think it's wrong? No, but I also feel like it's really weird that like there's all that Facebook marketplace is hitting me up with all of these like Christian swag, get your Christian, you know, and it's like, well, it's not about like, 
you know, in some sense, like, yeah, you know, Jews used to write, you know, scripture and, and put it on their forehead and carry it with them. And so, like, there's this cool thing about being able to put God's word and, and you know, those kind of things on our clothing. But at the same time, like, it's really this consumeristic uh, mindset, you know, as well. And so how do I separate myself from truly being a disciple of Christ from, you know, fakers? You know, or people who are doing it because it's cool or, or um, you know, or stuff like that. You know, how do you, so that's, that's for me, like the big question. So I choose, I choose Jesus. Let me answer your question very simply. I choose Christianity because when I read the Bible and I see who Jesus is, that is something to aspire to. Not because of any church that I grew up in, not because of anything else, but because of the truths that I see in Jesus. Yeah, there was a time in my life and in my, you know, even in my Christianity that I chose Christianity because I was afraid of what my parents would say if I didn't, mm. you know, mm -hmm. um, that doesn't last, though. You know, y you get old enough where, you, you know, that just doesn't last. Um, I think what I have discovered, the older that I've gotten and the more that I have, like, explored not only my faith, uh, but also the work that the church is called to do and the things that our culture is seeking. Mm -hmm. And this is the message that I've really tried to preach and pound home and teach over and over again. It is everything the world is seeking can be found in the shadow of the cross. You have this, this plea for unity. You have this, call for justice you have this call for equality you have this call to take care of those who are in need um, you have these drives to take care of the people who don't have water in foreign countries to yeah. eliminate um, sex trafficking and child slavery um, to go out and all of these things and you have all of these humanitarian societies who are doing all these different things for different motives and the only place you really find true unity is in the blood of Christ. Yeah. Um, and that if the church would go out and proclaim exactly what God had given them to proclaim to the world, the world would find that they would find their complete fulfillment in Jesus. Um, mm -hmm. Not in laws, not in policies, not in governments, um, not in rules and regulations or any of these other things that we're seeking them in. Um, but Jesus actually answers every call that the world has, every need, every desire. Um, we just have to be the people who will go out and demonstrate that. I agree that um, I find it challenging to see people wearing Christian clothes in the way that they're acting. But I think we forget that if you're going to put that on your chest and you're going to put it on your hat or you're going to put it on your wrist or if you're going to tattoo it on your body, um, you better realize that that is going to be an indication of who you are and who Jesus is to the world that sees it. Um, if you're going to bear the mark, then, you know, live it and proclaim uh, the, the good news. I think we forget that we live by the good news of Jesus. Um, mm. Of all the things Dr. Giger used to say at good old Oklahoma Christian, you know, he oh, would boy. say, for a people who are supposed to be people of joy and good news, um, some of you need to tell your faces that you are people of joy and good news. <laughs> Like we, we shouldn't be walking around with sour faces and sour mentalities and, and broken spirits because we've been redeemed by the blood of Jesus. So, yeah, um, it's true. 
the answer the answer is there, um, and we just have to be better at proclaiming it. And so it's a it's a choice worth making, and it's a life worth living. Um, I don't know if this uh, went the way you thought it was going to go today, but I needed this talk, so I don't think so. Uh, it was an interesting podcast to, for sure. I'm glad we were here to have it. I needed to hear it. Um, I need the reminder that the choices are worth making, and um, the harder it is to make it, um, the more we got to really buckle down and uh, and persevere. So that's completely true. Like the more the more that we choose to be like Jesus, the more good I see in the world. It doesn't mean necessarily that my life gets better or that my circumstances get better, but my I feel better and I feel uh, like my relationship with Christ is, is stronger and is better. And I feel like when I love on people in difficult scenarios and when I do the right thing, uh, by right thing, I mean what Jesus would want me to do, um, there's more there's more peace um, surrounding it. So there's a lot of things that kind of play into that that choice, but a lot of that choice comes down to faith. Um, like I truly believe, I truly believe in what the Bible says. And you know what the Bible says? It says, don't grow weary in doing good. Uh, Galatians 6, 9. And I just want you all to know that we appreciate you being here and we love y'all and we want to hear from you. So send us emails, write it on our Facebook or whatever. If you have podcast ideas, um, let us know. Uh, and we will, we will try to get through them and, and cover them. So, uh, but I want to remind you, like Josh was talking about, like this world is messy and life is messy, man. I, I, I do. I pray for teens every day because it is it is a crazy world out there, and um, there's a lot of half truths that are being sold, um, and the only full truth comes from Jesus Christ. And so, pray for them, lift them up, and know that they are living in a completely different world than you ever lived in. Uh, and don't grow weary in doing good. Don't grow weary in following Jesus. So allow Christ to use you and do something different, something good in His name. I'm Aaron, and this is Josh, and we will see you next week. I'm behind the beards. Till we're all growing a beard. A man's face should never be bare. We just want some facial hair. We're anticipating, yeah, everyone's waiting for a beard.